fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the greatest event in all of history. And we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. But it's the greatest event because uh, if you haven't noticed, you look around the world today, our neighborhoods, our city, and the world, and you'll see that the world is in turmoil. Uh, people are uh, sinning against God. We're sinning against one another. There's brokenness, loneliness, war. There's, it's a mess. But God's response to all that mess was not to destroy the place, but to love the place, to love people like you and me in Christ Jesus. And God became a human being in Jesus of Nazareth 2,000 years ago, walked the face of the earth, and he became the perfect sacrifice for you and me on a cross 2,000 years ago, bearing our sin debt in his body, to be buried in the ground for three days. And then on that wonderful day, the day we're celebrating today, God raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand, and now declares to all the world, anybody, anywhere, at any time, that will humble themselves, open their heart to God's forgiveness and receive that, that beautiful gift of salvation, God will say, Amen. So the resurrection, the resurrection is good news. It's great news. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So I'm going to ask if you would to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10 this morning. We're going to look at verse 38 through 43. If you don't have a Bible with you, we got your back. Don't worry a thing about it. Reach into your bulletin. You'll find a handout that looks like this. It says the re- resurrection is good news. And in fact, there's several words that I'm going to invite you to write down. So if you take that out, win, lose, or draw. Our reader this morning is our uh, brother Bob Johnson. going to come up and read the scriptures for us. And as he makes his way to the uh, pulpit, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of the word of God? Acts 10, 38. And you know God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went among doing good and healing who were oppressed by the devil who was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We are those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one whom all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for those words. Thank you for the power of those words. Thank you for the, the good news that those words are, are spoken into the world, into a broken world, into broken lives. And we pray this morning, Lord, that we would uh, deepen, that you would deepen the meaning of that in our lives, that we might re- rejoice even more for what you have done for us, the love that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. So may your blessing be upon your word and upon your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you, Bob. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is uh, unbelievable news. 
Some of you might be familiar with a man by the name of James Cameron. He's a uh, really quite a brilliant man. He's a, a movie producer and a movie director, and he had a huge hit. You might remember the hit a few years ago called The Titanic. And um, not long after that movie came out, and there's a lot of success, he was in the papers once again. He, was, he had worldwide news once again a couple of years after that. Because he had this box that he had gotten through some archaeologists in uh, Israel, and inside the box was some bones, and on the outside of the box it said, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And so James Cameron claimed that he had proof positive that Jesus' bones were in these box, was in these box. So it created a worldwide clamor that Jesus Christ's bones were in that box. Now, other archaeologists came along that were uh, apparently far more qualified than the archaeologists that he worked with, and the consensus was very quickly that that was not possible, that those were Jesus' bones. They simply were not. They were not in the area of where Jesus was, and so on and so forth. But what, what that story did was this. It pointed out to the world that if anybody could find Jesus' bones, Christianity would be all over. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus was not resurrected from the dead, in fact, we are to be pitied more than all people. That Christianity would be a complete and total farce. But friends, we're here today because nobody's ever going to find Jesus' bones in any box, any, on the side of the road, any place. Because Jesus is resurrected from the dead and he's seated beside the Father in the heavenly realms. And he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And if you are trusted in him as Lord and Savior, that's who he is. He's Lord of Lord, and he reigns in your life today. And you have unbelievable hope, and you have the greatest news in all of, all of history. But if you're here today, and you've never done that, nobody's ever shared with you, or maybe you've been kind of stubborn in your life, and you've, re- you've resisted the opportunities of receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, we're praying for you. And we're praying and hoping that God will touch you in some small way with the music, with the word of God, with the fellowship, whatever it is. And today would be the day that you would surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to give you three simple reasons why in this passage and throughout Scripture, I believe that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the greatest news in all of history, the, great, the, the good news for every person, any place, and anywhere. Uh, and it begins with this. If you've got a pencil out, the first word I want you to write down is the word life. Jesus' resurrection from the dead. The good news about his resurrection from the dead. And we're going to get personal here because it gives me life. If you know Christ as Lord and Savior, it has given you life. Now, when we speak of life, the, the Bible teaches us that there's two words for life. One word is bios, and that word we get obviously get the word biology, and that means that I go around the world today, I eat, I sleep, I get up, and I do it all over again. That's life bios. But this, when, when the Bible speaks of life, Zoe, the second word, it's speaking of God's very life. That the moment that somebody is trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, his eternal life has entered in. He's been forgiven of his sins, she's been forgiven of her sins, and she has inherited and received the very life of God. And so that is what, uh, that's what the uh, scriptures are talking about in this passage. If you take a look at the screen in John chapter 10, Jesus said this, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. A quality of life, of God's very life, entering into a person the moment that they trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now we know this because of of the character and nature of God. 
the character and nature of God that was demonstrated in Jesus. And that's why I love verse 38 that Bob read to us. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Let me read it to you again. It says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You see, in Matthew, Matthew tells us that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. He said they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up workers to go out into his harvest field. The character and nature of God is love, mercy, and compassion that's been exhibited to the world in Jesus Christ. That is the very life and being of Jesus, a a perfect, unconditional love that God offers to the world. And if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, you you have received that perfect love. Now, Peter goes on, he's the, uh, he's the one that the story is all about, the, the Apostle Peter, and he goes on to say in verse 39 that we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. And here's the, here's the twist in the story, the twist in the plot. He said, we also saw this. We saw that they uh, put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Now, for Jewish people to hear that, that would have been very scandalous because they're very familiar with the laws of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. Uh, the scripture says, Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. Now, God's life was in Jesus Christ. And God demonstrated to the world his perfect compassion, his perfect love and mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, wicked men hung him on a tree. Wicked men crucified him on a cross. But once again, it was still God's love was behind all of that. Because on that cross, he bore our sins. God's wrath was poured out against Jesus, so his wrath would not have to be poured out against you and me because of our, our belief, our trust in Jesus. John said it in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 36. All who receive him have eternal life. But those who reject him will not see that life, for God's wrath remains upon them. God's wrath doesn't come upon a person because they reject Jesus. We're born in this world under the wrath of God. And while we're in this world, God is pleading with us to come out from under the wrath of God and into the light of the kingdom of God, into the very life of God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then Peter goes on to say this in verse 40. Wicked men did this to Jesus, but here's what God did. On the third day, he raised him to life. That was a decisive moment in history that God broke the power of death once and for all for all human beings everywhere the moment that they trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. And the moment that we trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, it's the quality of God's life that comes into us. It's that joy that comes into us, the forgiveness that we receive. It's how our heart and our mind changes. Everything about us begins to change. And we begin to see the world through God's eyes rather than see the world through our eyes. And we're changed by the love and grace of God. I remember when I was a little kid, my uh, dad uh, was putting my younger brother and me to bed one night. And my parents never went to church when we were kids. And... uh, we would do uh, Our Father Who Art in Heaven. Uh, not that one, I'm sorry. We would do uh, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. That's the one we would do. Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. Anybody do that? Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. Well, we got through that prayer, and um, all of a sudden my father got kind of teary-eyed. And he began to say, you know, Christians, he said there's something different about them. They have a love, a joy, and a peace in their lives. And what he was saying was, I don't have that. I can see it in their lives, but I don't have it in my life. And my father had had a lot of challenges with alcohol. 
had a lot of challenges in marriage with my with my mother. Uh, but praise God, towards the very end of his life, the uh, Lord took him home. He had cancer. But before he died, I got the opportunity to share with him the life of Christ. And there in his hospital bed, he humbled himself before God, and he received Christ as Lord and Savior. And immediately he changed. Though that cancer was getting him, everything about him changed dramatically and wonderfully. He had received the eternal life of Jesus Christ. You see, the good news about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is that you and I have received that life, that eternal life, that, that very life of God into our hearts and our lives. And that's going to that's gonna bring us to heaven someday, bring us to a new heaven and a new earth. But not only that, if you turn your paper over, the other good news is that it gives you and me purpose to life. So write the word down, uh, purpose, if you would. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the good news is it gives you and me purpose. Hey, listen, if you took a clipboard and you went down to the mall on a busy night or a busy afternoon and you spoke to 10 people, 100 people, and you asked them one simple question and you said to them, can you tell me what the meaning and purpose of life is? What kind of answers do you think you'll get? Chances are you won't get an answer at all. All people will do is scratch their head. Because without Jesus Christ, there is absolutely, positively no meaning and purpose to life. Life is nothing but random events. In fact, we're being taught, our children are taught that day after day in school, that all of the world, all the world is the result of random events. But friends, that is not true. God is the creator. He spoke this world into being. And because he spoke to this world into being, he loves you. And if you've trusted in him as Lord and Savior, your life has purpose. Listen to the amazing words of what the Apostle Paul says in first, uh, in, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Even as he, God, chose us in him, he's talking about Jesus there, before the foundation of the world. Think about that for a moment. Think about what he's saying. That before he ever put a star in the sky, before he ever hung the moon where it is today, before he ever created the earth, he saw you. He loved you. He chose you to be in Jesus through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to this, watch this, according to the purpose of his will. Life has meaning and purpose the moment that you trust in Jesus. Not only for the world today, but the moment that you trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are moving towards eternal life. You are moving towards being with Christ Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever. Amen. Now with that in mind, think a little bit about what Peter says in, uh, in, in verse 41. At the end of verse 40, he says, Then God allowed him to appear, talking about Jesus. Now listen to this. Not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And then he ordered us to preach everywhere. Listen, out of 12 apostles, you may or may not know this, 11 of them died a horrendous death. 11 11 of them were executed. It was only the apostle John that that, uh, died of old age. The rest of them were executed because they went into the world and they proclaimed Jesus Christ to the world. They were witnesses of Jesus Christ. And they were witnesses because they witnessed him die. They witnessed him that he was in a tomb for three days. But they also witnessed that he was resurrected from the dead. 
In other words, he resurrected from the dead. They walked with him. They ate with him. They were taught by him. And because they saw him with their own eyes. John said in 1 John chapter 1, not only did we hear him, we touched him, we ate with him, he was real. And because of that, they were willing to lay down their lives for the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. They had meaning and purpose in their life. Now, they were witnesses. And this is, a, this is an important thing to understand. That, that, that word witness literally is martyreo. It means they were martyrs for Christ. Because Jesus said, I'm ordering you, I'm commanding you to go out and proclaim me to the world. Now the truth of the matter is, if you read the Bible, Jesus didn't have to do that. Because they couldn't contain what they had in their heart and in their lives. They couldn't contain the love of Christ that was in them. They couldn't contain the grace of God that was in them. They knew what it was to experience the complete and total forgiveness of Christ on that cross. All their past sins were forgiven. All their present sins were forgiven. All their future sins were forgiven. And my friends, that's true of you. The moment that you trusted in Him as Lord and Savior. God put all of your sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. So if all your sins were on the cross 2,000 years ago, all of them were in the future. He forgave you all of them so that you could receive His life. So that you could have meaning and purpose to your life. That your life would bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your life could bear witness to the grace of God given to you in Jesus Christ. But, but, we've got to pay attention to all of the verse because there's a little twist in the plot here as well. Listen to what Peter says as he continues in that verse. Take a look at verse 42 with me. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus, now listen to this, is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead, the judge of all. You see, all through Scripture, there's the promise. You and I know we're not going to make it out of this world alive. We, we come from different backgrounds, from different economic. We live in different neighborhoods. But there's one thing that we all have in common. The one thing we have in common is we're not going to get out of this world alive. Each and every one of us in this place in a hundred years will be dead. Doesn't matter how many push-ups you do. Doesn't matter how many vegetables you eat. You're going to die. And what Peter is saying is that when we die, what Jesus was saying that when we die. We've got an appointment with God. We've got to face Him on Judgment Day. And Jesus said, you will give an account of every idle word that you spoke. Now listen. Death and and coming judgment, it's like a freight train. Now a lot of times, we're not paying attention. I would say 100% of us don't pay attention. We don't think about that. But it doesn't make it go away. You know, you can say, I don't believe in something, but just because you don't believe in something doesn't make it not true. I can say, I don't believe in gravity. If I step off a 10-story building, I'll believe in it very quickly. And God promises that we've got a judgment day ahead. But for those who have believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that won't be for you and me. It'll be for all those who have rejected Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so what Peter is saying and Paul is saying through the the sermons that they preached, they were pleading with people, today is the day to repent. Today is the day to get right with God. Because there's a judgment day coming. And without Christ Jesus, the promises for God is that we will spend eternity in hell. I heard an illustration uh, a few days ago. A guy was talking about a a young woman that was uh, in a car and she was going down an unfamiliar road and as she was traveling down the road it was pitch black night she was very frightened, very concerned all kinds of thoughts were going through her head what could possibly happen to her and, and sure enough her worst nightmare suddenly happened her car stalled out in the middle of the road 
So as she's sitting there, she begins to think about what else can happen to me, and she's trying to find her cell phone in the dark, when all of a sudden there's a, a knock on her, her door window. And she looks up, and sure enough, it's a man there, and, he, and he's knocking on the window, and she's terrified. She's imagining that he's going he's gonna to drag her out and rape her, or, or some, something terrible is going to happen. So she's fumbling, trying to find her cell phone, and he's knocking on the window. Finally, in a split second, he disappears into the night. When all of a sudden there's a crash in her, her back window and he's taken a rock and smashed her back window. He's reached in past her, opens up the door and he grabs her and he drags her out of that car, kicking and screaming. And within a moment, suddenly there's an explosion because a freight train was going right through her car. You see, this man that was causing horror for her became her hero. He was trying to get her out of that car, trying to save her life. Many times we as Christians are seen as crazy. But as Christians, we're pleading with people that are without Christ. There's a coming judgment. And you need to get right with God today. Not tomorrow, but today. Because see, what God has for you, the third thing I want you to write down is God has for you joy. An unbelievable joy for your life. That's what the resurrection of Jesus is all about, is joy. That we not only would be forgiven of our sins, that we would be given the eternal life of God. And listen to the very words of Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 24. Ask and you, you will receive. Couldn't be any simpler than that. Couldn't be any clearer than that. Ask and you will receive. And here's what will happen. Your joy will be complete. You know what God wants for you? God wants for you to have joy. This world is a mess. Isn't it? One thing after another. But in amongst all that mess, God wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. But you cannot have that without the resurrected life of Jesus Christ coursing through your veins, in your body. And it only happens when you ask. And when you ask, God is delighted to give it to you that you might receive it. In fact, listen to what uh, uh, John tells us in, in John chapter uh, 1, I'm sorry, verse 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or husband's will, but born of God. God has joy for you. He doesn't want you going through life depressed. He doesn't want you going through life distraught. He wants you to know the peace and joy that he has for you in Christ Jesus. And that's why Peter says in verse 43, listen to this. He's the one all the prophets testified about. You know, once again, we are taught in the public arena, day after day, that uh, the world and everything in the world is the result of randomness, just things coming together, accidents that have come together, and somehow we have evolved into the people that we are. But it's amazing what God says in his word. First of all, he says it's not true throughout scripture. He, He confronts that. But the other thing that God tells us that's wonderful, he says, listen, I am God and I'm going to prove it to you if you don't believe it. I'm going to tell you the end before the beginning. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in, in uh, chapter 46. Remember, remember the former things, those of long ago? I am God. And there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. God is God, my friends. He's outside of time. He's inside of time. 
And so therefore the prophets could promise that someday Messiah would come into the world. And Messiah was Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago to be crucified for you and me, that he might forgive us of our sins one time for all times forever. So that any moment, at any time, anywhere, once again, if we humble ourselves before God and are willing to receive that forgiveness, God will grant to us eternal life. I plead with you this morning that if you've never received Christ as Lord and Savior, that that you would think deeply about what the Bible is, is speaking into your heart this very moment. That you would think deeply about the love of God that He wants to offer you. But you would also think deeply about the warning God offers to you as well. 150,000 people die every day. The 150,000 that died yesterday, most of them weren't planning on it, and those that did, did die did not want to die. There's no, no guarantee that you will lay your head on the pillow tonight. The resurrection, my friends, is good news. It's the greatest news in all the universe, greatest news in all, the, all, all, the, all of history, and God wants you to have that resurrection, that resurrection life. There was a couple that uh, used to go to church here years ago, uh, Dick and Ginny uh, Sharon, and uh, they both love the Lord to this day. And um, years ago, Dick got involved with uh, prison ministry. Not locally, he would have to get involved, like him, in, up in Thomaston. And he would go up to the main state prison up there and he worked with uh, Chaplain Mankiewicz, and he would help teach uh, Bible studies to the, uh, to the inmates. And uh, one Sunday he was telling us that uh, he had been up there the previous Sunday, and in the afternoon they were doing baptisms of the inmates. And this one particular inmate stepped into the baptismal uh, tub, and he was about to be baptized. When he turned to the chaplain, he said, Would you mind if I gave my testimony? And Chaplain Mankowitz says, Absolutely, positively. There's a handful of family that was there and other inmates. So he began to tell the story that uh, a while prior to, to his uh, baptism, um, he was in his cell, and, and, uh, and Chaplain Mankowitz came in, and uh, he said, uh, We've heard that your father is uh, critical. He's dying. And uh, the, the warden said that he's going to allow you to either go see your dad before he dies, or you can go to his funeral after he dies, but you've got to make up your mind and tell us what you want to do. Well, he said he thought about it for a few minutes, and he decided he wanted to see his dad before, before his father died. So as soon as they could, they made arrangements, and they uh, put him in a, shackled him up with handcuffs and uh, shackled him on his feet, and they put him in a car, and they drove him down here to uh, Mercy Hospital. They went up the elevator, they came to the second floor, and when they stepped out into the hallway, he turned to the guards, and he said to them, listen, I know that this is against the rules, but I'm hoping you can understand. He said, what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you, I'm going to beg you to do, please, please, take the handcuffs off me and the shackles off my feet. Because I've caused heartache for my parents all my life, and I don't want my dad to see me in this condition before he dies. Well, these guys saying back and forth, he's, ah, you've got to be kidding me. We could lose our jobs. We could end up in jail if something happens. Well, after a moment of complaining, they did it. They, they took the handcuffs off and they took the shackles off his ankles. He walked into, he said, what was a uh, very dark room. There was just a light over by his, his dad's bed, and there was family members and friends gathered in the room, and, and he could see his mom off to the other side of the bed, and she was weeping. So he made, it through his, uh, made his way through his uh, family members, and he got alongside his dad. His dad's eyes were closed. He was in a coma. So he took his dad's hand, and after sitting there with him for a few moments, he knelt beside his, his father, and he whispered into his father's ears, and he said, Dad, 
I know that I've caused you heartache. I've broken your heart so many times uh, because of my wife. He said, but I'm hoping, Dad, if you can hear me, if you can find it in your heart someplace to please forgive me. And after sitting there for a moment, suddenly, very gently, he could feel his dad squeezing his hand. But with that, he had tears in his eyes. He got up and made his way through the room to the other side of the bed by his mom, and he gave her a kiss on the forehead and gave her a hug. Went back out into the hallway, and they they took him back to uh, they took him back to Thomaston. The next day, the chaplain went in, sat down on his uh, bunk beside him, and he said, uh, "We've just received word that your, your your dad just passed away." So this hardened criminal began to weep there on his uh, on his bed, and. Um, Pastor Mankiewicz, Chaplain Mankiewicz, put his hand on his shoulder and he said, but I also understand that last night you, had, you, you made peace with your father. And with tears in his eyes, he shook his head, yes. And Chaplain Mankiewicz said this, you made peace with your earthly dad. Isn't it time you made peace with your heavenly father? And right there, the two men knelt by that bed and he received Jesus as Lord and Savior. He received the resurrected life of Jesus Christ into his heart. Suddenly he knew that life. Suddenly there was purpose, despite the fact he was behind bars. Suddenly in this criminal's heart there was now joy. God calls you and says this, Isn't it time you make peace with your Heavenly Father? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest news in all of history. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that incredible news that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah, Lord. For those of us, somebody came into our lives, somebody took a risk and told us about Jesus, somebody took a risk and shared the gospel with me. I remember those two college students, clear as a bell. I was scared to death. (laughs) But something nailed my feet to the floor and I received you as Lord and Savior and I have never regretted one second of that in all of these years. Father, as we think about that resurrection this morning, the power of the resurrection, the joy of the resurrection, there are are many here today that, that know exactly what I'm talking about. The joy and peace that they received the moment that they trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. At the same time, there's people here today, Lord, that somebody told them about that when they were a little kid, maybe at a camp, or maybe when they went to Sunday school, a Sunday school teacher said, here's how you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But Lord, they've gone a long, long ways from you. That was me. I was a poster child for that. I went a long, long, long ways from you. But I thank you, God, that you love me enough to come after me. You went after me and grabbed me and brought me back. If you're here today, God is speaking to you, and maybe maybe what you need to do is recommit yourself. You've heard that before. And say, Lord, I've had enough of this world. I'm ready to get right with you once again and start living for you. Not someday in the future, but today. Today's the day. God, there may be people here today that have never heard this before. Or they've heard it and they said, I don't want to hear it anymore. But something's different today. You've caused them to listen. You've caused their hearts to be open. They know that they've sinned against you. 
They know that today, if they died, they'd be in big trouble, Lord. God, we don't want them to be in big trouble. We want them to know you. And so I pray for them today, Lord. Maybe one person, two person, who knows? Maybe a dozen people here today. Today is the day. The Apostle Paul said, today is the day of salvation. So I pray for you this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a moment to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And I just pray that, um, uh, for me, I was scared to death when somebody said this to me, and I wanted to run out the door. And I'm certain right now you're feeling pretty nervous and like you'd like to run out the door, but please don't do it. Please don't do it. You're not going to regret this. So I'm going to ask everybody, if you don't mind, would you please stand with with me? Would you please stand right where, where you are? And with your eyes closed... And uh, even those of you who have, you've, you've heard this prayer, you've said this prayer, there's no big mystery about it. I'm going to lead you through a little prayer. As I lead you through the prayer, even though you've said it before, would you, would you say it? Because there might be somebody beside you that might be a little embarrassed to say it out loud on their own. But if they hear you say it, they'll feel a little more comfortable because we, we don't want anybody to miss this opportunity. And this is your opportunity to recommit your life to the Lord or come to faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. So just keep your head bowed. This, this, this is a holy moment. Nobody's going to laugh at you. Everybody's excited for you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this along with others. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I confess I've sinned against you. Let's all say that together. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess I've sinned against you. And then we're going to say, together we'll say in just a moment, I'm sorry for my sins. Let's say that together. I am sorry for my sins. And then we're going to say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And then we'll say together, I ask you here and now, let's say that, I ask you here and now to come into my heart. And to be my Lord and Savior. To be my Lord. I want to live my life for you. I want to live my life for you. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you don't need me to tell you something's happened. But I'm going to do it anyways. The resurrected life of Christ has come into you. He's forgiven you of all your sins one time, forever, for all. And He's given you His love and grace beyond measure. You're now His child. If you died today, you'd wake up in the arms of Christ Jesus. You'd be with Him in heaven forever. So I'm going to challenge you right now. Amongst you, amongst friends who love you and care for you. If you receive Christ for the first time, or maybe today you're rededicating yourself to the Lord, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask you to take a bold move and I'm gonna ask you to come forward if you would. Would you would you come forward and stand with me? And the reason I'm asking you to come forward, Billy Graham has said it so many times and says it beautifully. He asked people to come forward because Jesus was crucified publicly. He was stripped and beaten, humiliated before all the world to see. But he did it for you and for me. So if you've received Christ as Lord and Savior today, would you do that? Would you just step forward? Would you come up and stand here with me? 
there's people that would like to come and pray for you and thank the Lord for you. So if you've done that, come on up front. Come on up front. Step forward this morning with me. Thank you, Lord. You've rededicated your life to the Lord. We invite you to come forward this morning as well. You come forward and stand with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the love and grace you've given to us in Jesus. Anybody else would like to come forward and stand? You've received Christ today. You've invited him into your heart. If this morning that you may have rededicated your heart to the Lord, you come forward. You come and stand. We want to celebrate with you and thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. Anybody else would like to come forward? Today's the day of salvation. Thank God for what he's done. You come forward. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else receive Christ today? Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, we thank you for these dear people that have come forward. And and if you're not doing that, we pray that you would speak to me or speak to one of the elders that came forward earlier today, this morning. Please don't leave this building without letting somebody know that you've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we want to thank the Lord for what you've done today, God. And we want to praise you. In Jesus' powerful name, we want to praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you give them a, a round of applause?